You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Today's guest is a regular one. He's back, John O'Rand of the Sports Business Daily and Sports Business Journal. It's been, uh, might be a couple months actually at this point since John was last on this podcast, but uh, this will be your conversation about the sports media. Haven't had one of these in a while. I've had a lot of guests, and uh, John Oran, America's uh, Sports Media Podcast guest, is gracious enough to return to the Sports Media Podcast. John, welcome back. Don't have a lot of time, Richard. Let's get right to it, man. All right. I know. You've, you've, <laughs> you've, you've got, you know, Trina awaits or whoever else you, you're, you've booked this week. All right. We have a lot to discuss, John, including some of the stories that you've broken in the last uh, 24 hours. But here's where I want to start. Um, you know, the NFL and the NFL PA are in the midst of their collective bargaining. And one of the big topics, of course, in this has been uh, the addition of a 17th game for the NFL. You've also, John, heard about uh, what looks um, like it's going to happen. And correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's already passed, is the uh, more playoff teams um, being placed into the NFL postseason. What I want to discuss with you is what this means for television and the media rights holders, because it's really, really fascinating. If you add a 17th game, that is significant more inventory. And then if you add two more teams to the postseason, well, you know, when you kind of cut the postseason up, you might be able to get some more inventory there. So very open-ended, John. When you see these two very significant things for the National Football League, what do you think about when it comes to uh, media rights? Uh, money. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the main reason why the, uh, the NFL wants to add a 17th game is because you know, they're going to get paid for that 17th game. And the, the main reason they're going to uh, do the um, – uh, what did what did ESPN pay for the wild card game? I think it was like a hundred million dollars for for like one yeah. NFL wild Crazy. card game. Uh, just a Crazy a, number, a, an insane number. And so all of a sudden they're going to add two more wild card games. Like all of a sudden, like they're they're going to get a, a pretty penny for those. Um, the there there's one aspect of of a 17th game and. Uh, the, the players haven't actually uh, said okay to it, but uh, all my sources expect that to happen. So I, 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 they, they, they don't. They think the owners are going to be able to give up something in order to get the 17th game. But the, the, I think the really intriguing part to me has nothing to do with the NFL. I, I mean, if they do get a 17th game and they and they add uh, to the playoffs, all of a sudden, you know, Super Bowl weekend is going to start fa- falling. Where uh, the uh, Daytona Five? What's Daytona NASCAR going to do with the Daytona Five Hundred? Are they going to sort of be pregame programming for the Super Bowl? Or are they going to try to, you know, d- d- do it on a different day? Maybe on the Saturday? Maybe push it a week? Same question with the NBA All Star Game. I mean, it's a uh, it's a it's a big showcase for the for the NBA. I mean, are they going to have to go, you know, a week early, a week later? I, I, do, I just think there are all these sort of knock on effects. With other sports that are uh, that that are uh, and other sporting events that are really popular, that I just think that the seventeenth game is really going to affect. Uh, that's interesting. All right, so a couple things there. Just my take. One, I mean, unquestionably, they'll move off the Super Bowl, and Fox is a partner with the NFL, so they'll um, and ESPN uh, is a partner. Well, actually, Turner has the All Star Game, uh, but I think they'll figure that 
out. Um, and I would th- still think just my guess would be that uh, easier to move the NBA. You could always push it, I guess, a little bit back. The Daytona one you do want to hold on a Sunday, so that's a little bit more of an interesting one. But here, let me let me let let's sort of stick on. But how about Sunday leading into the Super Bowl? I mean, but then you have to worry about the rain and everything. And, and, and yeah, I don't I don't know if well, first of all, I don't think Fox ever does that. If they have the Super Bowl, the question would be a really interesting one: is would you? Would would you would you dare counter program against a competing network having the Super Bowl? But I, I my answer to that John would be no because the NFL would tell Fox, hey, we we are a rights holder partner with you. Do not put the Daytona 500 against let's say NBC's doing the Super Bowl because we don't want less viewer so i can't see it i mean the nfl has the leverage there against the rights holders well i mean they, they would be going against super bowl pregame not the super bowl but yeah the, the point the, the point still goes i still say i still say no way i think the nfl protects the i think the nfl would protect its rights holder partner let fox know in very strenuous terms they don't want that on the same day you don't think so um no i i i, I would agree with you but i do think that there are uh you know uh Fox is a NASCAR rights holder, too. Uh, I mean, the NFL is certainly more powerful than NASCAR. But uh, I, I just think these are discussions that are going to be really interesting discussions to see uh, where, where it all nets out. I agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, John, we're talking about one property that draws 9 million, 10 million viewers uh, you know, versus versus your other property, which on a week-to-week basis draws 20-plus. And in the 415, 425 slot, you know, 25 million. So I think the NFL would have the... The power there, and listen, I like the Daytona 500 as a sports fan. I don't want that on the same day. Uh, I want that to be on a different day because I I don't like that uh, that competition. Let me ask you. So a couple things here. Let me ask you about the postseason stuff. Um, do you think if they get? I think it's very clear they're getting an additional postseason games. I mean, I, th- that that's going to happen. The the two additional teams. Do you think there is any chance the NFL would bring in a new rights holder partner? let's say, just for that game. So let's just sort of play a little uh, hypothetical football here. Like if Turner came in and said, we don't want to package for the year, we just want to buy that postseason game, and here's uh, whatever, crazy money, $300 million. I think the NFL would, would, would think about that, or do you think that only goes to uh, a partner that shows games during the year? Look, the, the, the NFL has been very clear about its strategy uh, moving forward, that it, that it's a broadcast-centric uh, strategy, and I can't imagine them uh, doing a playoff game that's not on one of the broadcast networks. And they're in, in uh, cahoots; they're, they're in partnership, I guess I should say, with uh, all of the broadcast networks. So I, I I think like you know Amazon or Turner or you know Tennis Channel. Who knows? Sinclair could could, could try to bid on them. I I, I think it's uh, you know Confederate money, pretty much. Yeah, and that's interesting because I th- I tend to agree with you. And if that's the case, then I think ABC is getting another playoff game. Oh, with, well, yeah, that would be my bet. I would I would absolutely bet on that. Now I don't know if they get both, but I think they're getting a second one for sure. Um, now <laughs> the quality of that game, you know, will be really really interesting. I mean, it could be two eight and eight teams or something like that. It could be, but last year it could have been Pittsburgh against the the Chiefs, you know, in in the AFC, and that 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 would have been a you know potential primetime matchup. The um the other one with the 17 um game schedule is kind of interesting because you know that does give you the opportunity maybe to do some games abroad and to maybe do some sort of special neutral site games with that. Do you see I mean again, I don't know if the NFL would ever do that, but do you, any chance you think that they they 
play play around with like a YouTube or a Facebook and maybe go sell something as a one-off just to see the um, just to see the experiment on one of that extra inventory game? Yeah, I I I, I have long believed that they're going to uh, carve out some sort of package for one of the big digital um, uh, companies. Uh, uh, most likely Amazon. So, so like Amazon can come in with you know a two billion dollar deal like the like ESPN pays for Monday Night Football, and it's going to be basically you know a uh, uh, you know, the, the the London games you know that start at nine thirty, or it, it, it's not going to be a, a package that's really going to excite a fan base to, uh, to to go to Amazon. Um, but but I, I can easily see them carving off something uh, for for that. Last one for me, John, and this is, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but if you had to guess today, um, do you think Joe Testator and Booger McFarlane will be ABC's Monday Night Football crew next year? Um, I would put those chances at uh, like 5%. And I, uh, Now, this is independent of Roma, who I think both of us are on the record probably a, a thousand times saying we both believe he'll be back at CBS. Although, can I tell you one thing about Romo, Richard? I I was 100% Romo going back to ESPN. Why isn't it or going back to CBS? Why hasn't it happened yet? Like the longer this goes on, I think I'm down to 95%. He stays at uh, CBS. I'm just I'm just confused at, at, at what what I thought was going to be a relatively easy deal it seems to be sort of you know dragging on. Yeah. Um, again, I, I I will still hold and contend that Romo goes back to CBS. I would have thought it would have been done sooner. I think it will be done in the next couple of weeks. And the only thing I can tell you from embedding with that team is Romo has said it takes him like, you know, five, five years to, to make a decision to go out to dinner at the end of the week with his wife. That said, he knows everything he needs to know about CBS. The only question about all this, of course, is just money. And like, you know, does money, what's the motivating factor with money? And is it enough to move into a um, a new network, a new, uh, schedule, et cetera. But yeah, I, I think you ask a very fair question. I, um, you know, we're, we're approaching March and the deal is still not, um, done. The only thing, John, about the Tessator McFarland question is if you were going to ask me, I would put Tessator coming back at like 50, 55% and I would put McFarland much lower. I, I don't think, I think you, this is just my read of it. Um, I think the decision on the play-by-play announcer will be much different than the decision on the analyst. Uh, but we'll we'll see. Um, be, and I, I say part of that is ESPN does not necessarily have a ready-made play-by-play person to sort of come in. They can certainly make the change. They can even make the change in-house. But do you know what I'm saying, John? There's not like a Mike Tirico. There's not some automatic layup. Like this is going to be our NFL play-by-play guy, and that's why I don't think that's as that's why I wouldn't put that at ten percent as you as you did. Yeah, but the more important decision uh, for me, and, and this is why what we just ten percent versus fifty percent is is all a folly. They have to uh, hire in the truck first, and that's almost a more important decision. And the, and those are the guys that are, have to get comfortable with the with the on air talent. So really, I don't I don't think even anybody at ESPN knows right now what like what's going to happen um, moving forward until they get that that spot filled, and then that could be a person that want, uh, is especially close with Sean McDonough wants to bring him back, or you know wants to get Chris Fowler out of uh, the college booth and bring him back, or, or, or something like that. You just sort of don't know what those personal relationships might happen from somebody that uh you know 
really more in my mind a more important hire than the than the play by play or the analyst. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Executive producer at that place it will will be the, the the most important hire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's do the XFL really quick. Uh, uh, Austin Karp, your, uh, your colleague and, uh, and one of the best in the business at when it comes to uh, ratings and objective ratings, um, reported uh, as we're taping this today, the XFL averaged 1.61 million viewers for the four games in week three across ABC, Fox, FS1, and ESPN. That is down 22% from week two, which had a couple games on ABC, one on Fox and FS1, and down 48%, 48% from week one. Uh, now, John, me and you have sort of been in this for a long time, and I think we, this is one where me and you are absolutely in agreement, is you'd never make these judgments on these leagues until like week six, week seven, week eight. It can't be fooled into whatever the debut number is because people get excited. They want to see football. All the promotional assets of the ESPNs and the Fox are pushing it. What really matters is like, where are we at week six and week seven, which, um, you know, gives you a little better sense. I would say this, John, this is just my take. The numbers are still better, I would think, than expectations uh, for the season. So if you're the XFL and you're their media partners, you got to feel good. At the same time, we're starting to see what we always see. We're starting to see double-digit drops. How do you look at this? Uh, I think it's good news. I, I think that you can certainly spin it as, as bad news. What, what, what did you say that the, the drop was from week one? That's Approaching like fifty, uh, forty forty eight percent from week one, twenty down twenty two from week two. Yeah, I mean that's forty eight percent is is a massive drop from numbers that weren't especially like knocked out of the park, so to speak. But um, you know, if you take a look at the numbers, uh, there, there there are two ways to look at this. One is expectation level, and nobody's expecting the XFL to be the NFL or to be um, you know college football. But the XFL right now, when it when it's on, it's beating its competition. It's beating golf. It's beating college basketball. I mean, the, 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 these aren't like hugely rated things. But you know, I don't think anybody will say that golf is is not a uh, a strong sport. I, I don't think any, anybody's looking at college basketball and wondering if 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 it's going to survive to, to year two. So I think, like for me, the the the, the numbers are are. Um, Again, you can spin that forty-eight percent down. That looks bad, no matter how you look at it. But I, I, I happen to know the networks are, you know, uh, they're not thrilled, but yeah, they're they're happy with it. They're, they're, it's pretty close to where, pretty close to where they were expecting it to be, and it's a, you know, pretty good programming for a, a February a weekend afternoon. Yeah, I think that's a fair view of it. I think you know to compare it to what it's going against, I think is. Uh, is totally uh, is a totally legitimate look, and again, I, I would just tell people like, let's talk week six. You have week seven. You get a real sense of what they are, and then you maybe start to think about like what kind of staying power might they have for year two. Um, you know, the only sort of tough thing I think eventually for this league is uh, it's going to be real hard for them to get publicity once when they're not playing. 
in terms of a lead up to the following year. You know, they, they're not talked about on the sports shows and not talked about on sports talk radio, probably outside of very, very few markets. And that'd be another thing to look at too, what the, what the local numbers are and are the local numbers like sort of maintaining or are they dropping? Uh, but it's February and you know, you can, you can, you can compete against these other programs in February. You're not going against the NFL. Can I do a, uh, uh, Richard Deitch podcast shout out since we're talking about the XFL. Sure. I was at uh, game one in DC, the DC defenders, a, a thrilling victory over the ha- hated Seattle dragons. And uh, Bill Hoffheimer was on the field and he brought his brother who is a religious uh, po- Richard Deitch podcast uh, listener. Really? Uh, who I did not know that his brother did not stay for the game though. His brother took off to watch uh, a Virginia basketball game. So it just sort of shows the level of commitment there, but I thought that, that was, that's worthy of us shouting out there. The one thing about Hoffheimer and his Twitter feed is it just feels too negative to me, John, your thoughts. <laughs> the happiest man in Bristol. It's always sunny in Bristol. It's, always it's, sunny. That is true. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Um, let us move to high noon. And this was, uh, we're taping this on Tuesday afternoon. This was your um, story that, that came out uh, less than 24 hours ago that high noon is being canceled by ESPN in March. Uh, I want to get into this a little bit with you um, because it's sort of interesting how ESPN put this out there. And it's even more interesting that I'm put, talking to the person who is the person who broke that story. A little put broken quotes, John. Don't take that personally. The explanation that ESPN had, John, was that this was this was a viewership issue. Okay. The viewership, and again, these are all your numbers, so great job on this. High Noon had averaged 330,000 viewers in quarter one to date, down 3% from the same period last year, and below the other ESPN debate shows. Most of those debate shows obviously um, happen after uh, after High Noon, and obviously your ratings would be up a little bit. So to me, John, that number, while it's not going to knock your socks off, that, that, that number is not crazy bad either, given the time slot. For me, my read call it informed read, call it non-informed read, but my read on this, sort of having covered these guys for a long time and obviously knowing some of the people who are involved in this is, uh, Bomani Jones and Pablo Torre have contracts coming up that expire in April. Uh, Certainly in Bomani Jones' case, signed a pretty big contract uh, when he, um, the last time sort of he did this for significant money. And I think this feels as much, John, as a, uh, move to sort of uh, shred a little bit of talent salary, even if Pablo and Bomani end up staying, versus this show is absolutely not working because it's a ratings crater, and we're getting rid of it. You probably have a different viewpoint than I do, but this feels much more like we're talking money that wants to be shred. We got an executive, Norby Williamson, who has no connection necessarily to these guys. These are John Skipper hires and and John Skipper POVs, and and you know and and same with Jimmy Pitaro, the new president, not the guy who 
sort of form the show. The previous guy did. How do you read all this, John? Which I imagine might be a different read than mine. Well, you know what's great is uh, every time we wade into programming like this, we disagree. And I, 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 I tend to take management side, and you tend to take uh, the, the other side. I have to tell you, I think that's a, an incredibly smart take. Uh, I know that across, um, and, and that's a compliment, by the way, uh, uh, across sports media right now, that. I'm going to go back like 10 years, right? Like like Fox Sports 1 launched, all of a sudden you had Nick Khan and CAA getting all the talent, and you saw these uh, talent salaries rise dramatically um, uh, just uh, across the board. Um, and I think ESPN in particular, but also Fox and uh, you know uh, NBC to a lesser extent, have been systematically trying to get those salaries sort of back in whack. And so I, I think having something like um, High Noon and, and, and getting rid of those salaries and replacing them with the, like Jalen Jacoby, you know, is, is something that makes a lot more fiscal sense. Absolutely, I, I, I agree with that. I, those, those numbers aren't, aren't very the, – the, the viewership numbers aren't very good. They, I, I, I mean I, – on my Twitter feed, a lot of people were comparing them to Get Up, and they compare very favorably to Get Up. And a lot of people are suggesting that it, it's not a good time slot to be in. Man, that afternoon time slot going into like around the horn and PTI and and um, and highly questionable. That that's a good that, that's a good block of programming and so, sort of the, the lead out of of it uh, is is always much higher and much better than uh, than. than uh, what what high noon was uh, so I I I don't dismiss at all that they weren't getting the viewers I I don't think they were getting the viewers too too well and and just to close on one thing just because I I cover like I've covered media for for such a long time broadcast TV they they cancel shows they change shows all the time and it barely gets a blip uh, it, it's fascinating to me. Uh, that that ESPN tries to change like you know outside the lines and it uh, you know it, it, it there are so many it just kind of speaks to the touch points that ESPN has with its audience and because there's there there's a lot of uh, hue and cry over what is sort of in the media business a, a, a pretty basic uh, um, move to make. Okay, so that's interesting, and I appreciate your perspective on that. We do look at things differently, but that, that's, a, that's an interesting and I think a, a smart take by you as well. So here's my sort of thought on what you just said. Um, part of the reason you're seeing the reaction – I mean this let's just not bullshit this reality. Uh, Bomani Jones and Pablo Torre have a lot of friends in the business or certainly admirers in the business who are very active on Twitter with a ton of followers who work for a lot of – um, sports publications with very, very loyal audiences, you know, like The Ringer and places like that. Uh, I'm even talking about outside of ESPN. Yeah, and I'll also jump in here and I'll speak for you. I find it hard to talk about uh, about them and that show because while I, while I didn't watch that show a ton, it is a type of show that I think I would like. It's just a smarter, different look at, at sports instead of sort of people yelling at each other. So it is a show that I, that personally I do kind of wish – had succeeded, you know. Yeah, yeah, and again, I, I'm the first to admit I, I, I really barely watched the show, so I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you and sort of go chapter reverse and say like it's the greatest show I've ever seen of all time because that's just not the case. Lord knows I worked with Pablo once at Sports Illustrated. I'm not going to praise that guy. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. He seems like a nice guy. No, he is a nice guy. But, um, but yeah. So no, I, I'm realistic on this. This was not any kind of mega hit at all. I wouldn't even call it a hit. 
Um, but it does speak to what you're saying, John, in that like, you know, they did some they did something that was a differentiator in the space, which was to try to at least elevate conversation. And I admire that uh, very much. I think both guys um, are certainly bright and and think outside the box. And I think that's a good thing, too. They're probably a little dangerous for ESPN, which I think under I think you'd even concede under Pataro and Norby Williamson want to go more vanilla because that's that's a very safer play and certainly safer with uh with the NFL. But so here's the only thing, John, I want to, I don't even know if I'm calling it pushing back on you. It's a little bit of a pushback. Um, you, you, you look at the numbers and I agree with you. It's a good time slot and particularly, uh, a good time slot because of what it leads into. But if you look at John, um, like Anna, over the years, historically, like on that early afternoon block, whether it's like NFL live or the jump or 1.0 TL daily, that that number that they have three hundred thirty thousand viewers that's not an outlier, John. That that's in the ballpark of whatever um, has generally speaking been part of uh, that ESPN block. I have no doubt that there are shows that have probably done a little bit better and shows that have done worse. But it just it it's not. I don't know how to say this, John. It, like like that show's not drawing one hundred and eighty thousand. You know, this is not undisputed numbers. And that to me, if it was. Those kind of numbers, then I think if you re-spin management, you walk out there and say, you know what, the ratings are tanking, and we can't afford this. I think then that's a real argument. I just think the honest, the 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 honest part of this, which we're not going to get out of Bristol, is we got high salaries for a show that is not that is not part of an interruption, that is not bringing in eight hundred thousand a million viewers. We have an opportunity because the contracts are coming up to shed that salary and either keep them at a much lower salary and at the same time probably replace it with sort of easier programming to do. And that's what I think this is ultimately about. Now, it's certainly a fair counter to me to say, hey, you know what? If these guys wanted to stay on, they would have pulled the half million viewers and they would have made the decision impossible for ESPN. But that that's just where I stand on. I think having sort of covered this terrain just like you have, I think this is as much about contractual issues as anything else. So, Richard, what do you think happens? Do Bologna and Pablo re-sign with ESPN? It's a great question. Um, So here's how I would look at this, and I have never been in this position where I have made um, the kind of money that Dave made and would have to take a pay cut. Um, so what I think will happen, and this is just a guess is I think ESPN would like both to stay. They're both talented people. They're both people of color. Uh, they, they could be assets in other parts of ESPN for sure. In terms of, uh, being part of the other Eric Rideholm shows, uh, writing for their website, uh, pushing their ESPN plus product and, you know, John, whatever other sort of ESPN entity, outside of live games that you want to use. The question is, how do those guys feel about what will be a salary offer that will be significantly less? And I don't know how, you you know, that, and this is where I'll, I'll counter and go back to you on this. Four years ago, three years ago, I think there would have been a market for them, either together or separate. You know, you you, t- you talk to your agent. Your agent reaches out to FS1 or some other place. FS1 loves to grab talent from ESPN, you know, and they, they offer you some kind of like, you know, radio slash TV deal, and you're either making the same money or you're making more money. But that 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 leverage doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's just not it's not there. I mean, Jamie Horwitz leaving Fox is a, was sort of a killer for that pipeline. 
Right. So, so, you know, I think either you have to think about, you know, if you're them, you think about what else is out there now they could be successful elsewhere. I mean, you know, Michael Smith and Jamel Hill and, and Jane, my buddy, Jane McManus and others, you know, there's life after ESPN. Um, that's unquestionably true, but how do you feel about whatever that life would be after ESPN? Because it's not probably going to be the same visibility without knowing anything, John, I'm going to guess minimum one stays, perhaps both stay short term, but I, I, I don't know that I haven't talked to him. I couldn't tell you that for sure. And then what, what gets created for them? Cause they went from, from helming a, a half hour show to, you know, what, uh, you know, I think Bomani has a couple of podcasts now, sort of. Yeah, there's going to be more than that, but but and there has to be, I would think, to uh, to sort of stick around. I don't know if what gets created for them is a them. I think what they may end up doing is doing things, um, sort of separately. And and the the again, I don't know this, but I, it seems to me that Pablo would feel Pablo would it would be easier for Pablo to go back into the HQ uh, around the horn. Uh, fill in part of the interruption, write for the website kind of job. Like, I feel like that, that, I think he would go back to that and I think he would do that. I don't know about Bomani. You know, Bomani was, Bomani was part of HQ already. Going back to that feels like a step back. I don't know. But, you know, at the same time, the reality for both these guys is like, you know, so if these guys offer you like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000 a year, like where else are you getting that? You know, even if you got to sort of bite your ego and suck it up, still that's still lottery ticket money. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a great question. Um, but I do think, and I, I, I wasn't surprised at this, but I, I certainly was, it was interesting to me that when you're, when you broke your item in your newsletter, it was fascinating to see the reaction from a lot of people to the, the cancellation of that show and not necessarily that it was canceled, but like what they thought it represented in terms of cancellation. You know what I mean? That like smart kind of talk can't succeed in the sports debate universe. And that was kind of interesting to me, just that reaction. Yeah. And in fact, I, I was fast. It, it was actually really fascinating to me. Like if you, you know, on, on Twitter, you can look at your mentions and only, only see the verified accounts and all the blue check marks all bemoaned it. And they, 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 they all, they, they all were doing sort of elegies to it. And once you sort of took the blue check marks away and, and, and read all of the other ones, they, they were more sort of, uh, uh, much more of them, a much higher percentage of them were sort of jumping on the grave and, uh, and, and, and seemingly happy about it for some reason. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't, I, I'm not sure it's a some, I'm not sure it's a some reason. I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty obvious one. You know, the one thing, John, I will say this, and I think both of us will, will, will appreciate uh, this. And that is, um, do you realize that if high noon was on Fox sports one, it would basically like, they would have a parade for those two guys in Los Angeles, like given, given how big a hit it would be. Andrew McVarity would be asking me to write a story on that for <laughs> how come you're not writing about high noon? Yeah, it's just it's so fascinating to me in that. I mean, listen, this is the difference between being part of a place that's been around for 40 years. And but like literally they would be like they would be far. They wouldn't just be a hit at Fox Sports One. Fox Sports One would put them out there as like one of their mega hits of the entire network because they will have they would have gotten viewership numbers that were akin to like ESPN debate shows. So it's so interesting to me, like the world of expectations. You know what I mean, John, that like um, 
at ESPN that, you know, there is a threshold, whether it's hubris or reality that they expect to get. But you put high noon on <laughs> on Fox Sports 1 or NBC Sports Network in the afternoon, uh, uh, literally, like, th- they, they, th- those guys would be feted like kings. It's just, it's just fascinating. Yeah, w- w- with those numbers, yeah, incredible. Yeah. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's um, let's finish up on uh, two things. One, the NBA um, and the local ratings. I think you, if it wasn't you, then it was somebody obviously worked with at Sports Business Daily or Journal, had all sorts of NBA RSN numbers. And, uh, you know, they, they were not good. Uh, you know, lo- locally, the NBA has been struggling. Now, my sense is and we might see some upticks late in the year. I would think New Orleans is going to be up now that Zion's back. Uh, we get to the late part of the year. Playoff races should should raise those. But what were your sort of overall findings on the, the local? We know the national story, but what about the local story from the NBA? Well, the local story and the national story are the same story. And and. What I find to be most interesting about about this is if you listen to Adam Silver talk about um, the, the the ratings drop off, you can and and I have for like twenty years been writing about oh well you know injuries or teams that didn't do as well as they thought or people moving out west and late uh, game starts. Adam Silver he barely brings that up, even though they're all applicable to the to the NBA. He brings up the fact that kids aren't connected to cable, <laughs> and and uh, and the NBA has tethered itself to ESPN and TNT, and uh, you know I, I think he called it uh, I think it, I forget what the word was a damage business or or something along those lines or it's like he want, wants to do whatever he can to get those games uh, in front of people like my son who's was 20, 20 years old. And he points to uh, various metrics on YouTube. He pe- avoids, uh, points to, like, uh, Twitter. And, uh, you know, he, he, he believes, and I agree with him, that the NBA is completely popular among that group. They're just not watching television. And it's, uh, it, it's a really interesting way to look at this that suggests, like, you know, we really are, you know, with ESPN Plus and, you know, HBO Max and Peacock, we really are at the cusp of of, of just a, a wild change in, in, in how we're going to be consuming all this stuff. Yeah, all true. Although the the interesting thing, uh, like if, at least in terms of the NBA story, is they could actually turn out to get a pretty fascinating postseason story. If somehow the uh, Pelicans and the Lakers played in the opening round, you'd have maybe conference final level viewership for the opening round of the NBA. And then, uh, logically, if Toronto's not in the NBA Finals, John, 
and it's almost any American city, even Milwaukee, you, th- those numbers should go up just because you're going to get a, a secondary. You're going to get a mar- you're going to get a market this year that you didn't get last year. So the the NBA finals could actually end up being up this year just for the fact that you just might have a. Uh, uh, you know, an American team in the market, although selfishly I'd love to see Toronto go back even where I live. Um, but that's, um, that's worth watching, uh, for sure. All right. Last one, John is, um, and again, I think this is your story that you broke and it, it is really one of the more fascinating ones. Uh, the SEC, um, uh, with the help of its, uh, you know, with the help of its CAA X-Wing fighters, um, ha- uh, is going to move to ESPN, you know, move the football package to ESPN starting in 2023. And what remains fascinating is, will CBS, like, be a lame duck for the next couple of years? Will they keep this programming? Or, as you have theorized, uh, will ESPN and CBS cut some kind of deal to get the SEC football programming, top football game, on ESPN prior to the end of that contract. Well, it looks like, John, now, at least at the moment, is it, unless you know something different, it looks like CBS is going to have it for this year. But that is just, that whole thing is fascinating to me. One, it's probably the, you know, the best bargain, or if not the best bargain, one of the best bargains in the history of television in terms of rights. And then secondly, you, it's a, it's interesting for CBS. They got a tough decision because you can make some cash on this deal until the, until it leaves you. Uh, or do you trade some kind of, you get some kind of assets from ESPN in exchange for what's an amazing deal. Uh, really fascinating, actually, in terms of like sort of a sports business media story. So I think it was about a month ago I was on another sports media podcast, Richard. I what? Forgot, I forget. I forget which one it was. And I, I said it was not. I was ninety-five percent sure. I, I, I put it that uh, that um, ESPN was going to be able to buy out uh, the remaining years for, from CBS. The second that podcast went live, I got two calls from people who would know who were like, "You're dead wrong." <laughs> there's, there, there, CBS right now pays fifty-five million dollars a year uh, for, for for the uh, SEC, which is nothing. It, it is it is the sweetheart of sweetheart deals. Lord knows what what uh, ESPN would have to bid or would have to pay to sort of take that away from CBS and then possibly give programming on top of that. Um, I, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It has happened in the past uh, with, with other sports on uh, for, for lame duck years, but this deal is so good. And uh, CBS is, you know, just peeved enough at how this process went that uh, they're not looking to, uh, to dole out any favors on this thing. John, if I was David Burson, Sean McManus and, and that group, I would not, I would not deal. I would, I would keep the package until the end of the package, and then give it to ESPN when it's up. I, I think, to me, you given the cost that you are paying for the SEC, it is such an incredible deal that I think to give up that money and that potential revenue for uh, two years, whatever ESPN might give me asset wise, would not be worth it. Um, I also kind of like the fact that you're sticking it to both the SEC and ESPN too. If you keep it for a couple of years, I, I like that aspect of it too. Uh, but I, I just wouldn't give it up. It's just the programming is too great. What if ESPN like guarantees them like a third pick of an SEC game through like 2030 or like like or, or, or like so it will be a damaged package, but you get it for like an extra decade, you know, or, or something. But uh, but but I'm I'm told that it would have to be a lot better than that because they're going from the top game. And and who's to say too? I th- th- think about 
when they if if they run out the string on if CBS runs out the string on the SEC, and then all of a sudden the Big Ten comes up, you know, and, and boy they can they can bid hard on that to fill that that window, or the uh, um, you know Pac-12 could come up and they could yeah, uh, the, uh, the brands aren't quite as good as um, uh, aren't quite as good the brands aren't as good as the SEC, but you know the, the CBS is looking to fill college football programming right there and, and and they have proven as they have with the sec that they they can build up a help build up a league i think that's a great great point i will say this the people who i think this is an anthony this is from anthony Krupe, our buddy from ad age who does an amazing job and you should read his stuff on this but um the, the notion somehow that cbs is going to back away from the nfl given the amount of money that they're saving in some places is just absurd uh you know the, it sucks to lose the sec for sure but you just take that three hundred million, and you, and you and you you head towards uh, Roger Goodell and company. So I, I just I don't see I don't see the CBS. I don't see. I mean I I've been they've lost it before, but man, I would be stunned if CBS lost the NFL. I just don't see it. The idea that any one of these broadcast networks will lose the NFL is inconceivable to me. I mean, I it's it's just not happening. Basically, it's holding up the entire broadcast outfit. It just it seems. You don't have a business without it anymore. You would have to go out of business. Uh, CBS could possibly go out of business if they lose the NFL, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Which is why I'm with you. Which is why it's, in my opinion, it's not going to happen. It also value. It also benefits the NFL. I also don't believe that. I was speaking in a hyperbole there to, to make a point. They're not going out of business, but yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, no. All right, Ken Sabatelli, you don't have to call me. I was a hyperbole. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, the odds of Jen Sabatella listening to this podcast, I would say, are about thirty percent. Her assistant will. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little lower than Tessa Tor returning. All right, um, John O'Rand is the uh, is the fine uh, sports business daily media writer, sports business journal media writer. Uh, had some major stories this week of significant note, especially among the Twitter crowd. Uh, check out his work. Uh, check out his newsletter. I say this all the time whenever he's on. It's uh, The newsletters that Sports Business Daily are doing are awesome. They're just so much fun to read, and uh, they break stories in it. I mean, man, a newsletter that breaks news is just phenomenal. Yeah, we have Ben Fisher doing the NFL on Fridays, Michael Smith doing college on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, we're, we're, we're building a nice little uh, uh, group of um, news- newsletters there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Michael and Ben do an awesome job on that. I love reading those two guys as well. Uh, so if you're a Sports Business Daily subscriber, check those newsletters out. It is free with your subscription. All right, John, listen, I appreciate you coming on. You gave me 40-something minutes uh, and uh, and continued success. I will, If I don't see in person, I'll be hearing you on another po- on a competing podcast. So that'll, that'll, that'll be exciting for me. <laughs> Thank you, John. John Orand, everybody. Team Deitch. Team Deitch till I die. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to John Orand. That was a really good conversation, actually. The high noon stuff I, I hope you found interesting. I certainly did. Um, and I appreciate him uh, him coming on today. Previous guests on this podcast uh, include Tiffany Green and Megan McPeak. Uh, they are pioneering broadcasters uh, in that uh, women of color who are doing play-by-play, um, essentially sort of creating and forging their own path. Uh, I love talking to those two guys. And that's the previous one before John. Before that, Jamie Little and Shannon Spake of uh, Fox and NASCAR. And they sort of take you through how the Daytona 500 gets covered from their end and their own careers. Before that, covering Kobe Bryant and his career, Howard Beck. A Bleach Report, Tim Kawakami, my colleague, 
at The Athletic, and then before that, the producer and director of the Super Bowl, how Super Bowl gets produced and directed, Richie Science and Rich Russo. Go through the um, all the archives in the Sports Media with Richard Deitch uh, podcast, and if uh, you like these conversations, please uh, leave us a review. Five-star review would help, and uh, uh, write up something nice. That's how the uh, podcast remains. Uh, as always, let me thank everybody at Caves 13. wasn't uh, uh, too long ago that I stopped in the New York offices. It looked beautiful. Uh, thank you to uh, Chris Corcoran, Spencer Brown, Sean Cherry, John McDermott, and obviously, of course, my producer, Patrick Antonetti. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Sports Media with Richard Dutch podcast. Until then, thanks so much for listening. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.